Welcome to this Tuesday edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. We'll bring you feature agricultural news reports along with a check-in of national and regional agricultural news. And I'll start things off with regional agricultural news right after this. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. Secretary Karen Ross participated in a signing ceremony committing the California Department of Food and Agriculture to an agreement with partners including the Natural Resources Conservation Service, the University of California Agriculture and Natural Resources, and the California Association of Resource Conservation Districts. A memorandum of agreement binds the parties together as a California Conservation Planning Partnership. The signatories will together work to streamline their services when assisting land managers like farmers, ranchers, and foresters who are implementing conservation and climate-smart agriculture practices on their lands. While these organizations have worked together for many decades, there is significant coordination required to ensure they are providing services to historically underserved farmers and ranchers, offering coordinated advice about on-farm practices, and working to provide on-the-ground technical assistance providers with the resources they need to rapidly scale up climate-smart practices to address climate change. The partners will provide joint trainings and resources, work to address barriers to the adoption of practices, and collaborate to better disseminate the latest research to technical assistance providers. Follow-up workshops will be held in January and in March. After packing one of the smallest crops in last year's season, California citrus growers and marketers say the current naval orange crop looks promising in volume and quality. An earlier forecast by the California Department of Food and Agriculture had naval orange production up 19% from last year, but California Citrus Mutual now estimates the increase is closer to 10%. That according to President and Chief Executive Officer Casey Creamer. He described the crop as average size and one that is manageable compared to some of the bumper crops seen in recent years. He says they're optimistic that with a good quality and decent-sized crop, they can fulfill consumer demand and also have a good return for growers, which is of utmost importance to keep up with the cost of production. Jared Blumley, who manages farming operations for Booth Ranches, which has orange orchards from Fresno to Kern Counties, said the early September heat wave was one reason a crop is now shorter than the initial forecast. He said extreme heat causes trees to shut down, resulting in smaller size fruit. With larger fruit in short supply, at least during the early season, Blumley said he expects buyers will have to accept the smaller sizing to meet market demand. Pricing, therefore, should hold, he said, because of the lower volume this year. He noted that pricing stayed strong through most of the season last year when volumes were similarly light. Because of an excess supply of smaller fruit across the industry, Charles Doobie, who markets oranges for Sequoia Orange Company, a grower, packer, and marketer in Tulare County, he said pricing is lower than what it should be this early in the season because there is not much demand for the fruit. And because schools were out during the Thanksgiving holiday, he said cafeterias that usually take some of the smaller oranges have not been ordering. Oranges do not have as big of a presence as they once did during a year-end holiday season when a fruit used to fill more Christmas stockings and gift baskets. 
He also says he thinks the sizing issue will improve as the crop moves into the winter season with more rain and nighttime cold temperatures. His hope, he says, is that the market will correct itself sometime after Christmas. The midterm elections are over and has led to a change in a balance of power in the next U.S. Congress. A delegation of California Farm Bureau leaders met with representatives during an advocacy trip to Washington, D.C. recently to discuss pressing issues affecting agriculture. It's a really interesting time to be in Washington, D.C. following the midterm election before a lame duck session with just a few more weeks left in this Congress. That according to California Farm Bureau First Vice President Shannon Douglas, who is in Glynn County. She says, they met with members who represent their farm communities and members who represent urban communities to continue building relationships critical to farmers and ranchers. Farm Bureau executives, the organization's leadership Farm Bureau class, and county leaders were joined by the organization's federal policy team to meet face-to-face with lawmakers last month in the nation's capital. Discussions focused on issues including California's ongoing drought, water, labor, and trade, as well as the next federal farm bill. In working to secure a state workforce for agriculture in California. The delegation urged legislatures to pressure the Senate to approve the Farm Workforce Modernization Act, which was passed in the House. The bipartisan immigration legislation would provide undocumented farm workers and their family members with a path to legal immigration status and residency, revise the H-2A Agricultural Guest Worker Program to improve efficiency and reduce costs, and impose mandatory employment verification in agriculture many years down the road. The group heard from members of Congress who support the legislation. The California walnut industry is forging a new strategic direction that will address the maturing competitive global market and support a refreshed position for walnuts that will highlight their unmatched versatility. The new direction for the industry will drive impact in key areas like increasing purchase intent, consumption, and usage with a focus on partnership and agile programming. One of the industry's first goals is about simple geography, the movement to feature walnuts and retailers as produce departments. While walnuts will always have a home in the baking there is the potential to capitalize on the wealth of positive attributes that walnuts offer, starting with the perception of walnuts as a fresh produce item. That, according to Robert Verloop, recently named Chief Executive Officer of the California Walnut Commission. In fact, walnuts fit the recently announced Food and Drug Administration's proposed definition of a healthy food. And earlier this year, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary officially added a plant-based definition that included nuts along with fruits and vegetables. Both recent announcements deliver even even more reasons for walnuts to be offered alongside other healthy foods like fruits and vegetables in retail locations. The prominent in-store positioning will support shopper demands to easily find healthier food choices and offer opportunities for co-marketing programs with walnuts and complementary items. That according to the California Walnut Commission. Bringing walnuts to the produce section will create new consumer habits and prompt more awareness that walnuts are good for you, which they believe will drive purchase, according to Verloop, citing research that shows three-quarters of consumers are more likely to purchase walnuts when they are displayed alongside fresh fruits and vegetables in the produce aisle. For more information about the California walnut industry, including consumer demand and data, and the latest nutrition research, log on to walnuts.org, front slash retail, front slash. Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. A popular existing method of organic weed control for public spaces might have some application in organic agriculture. 
The method, which uses hot water insulated by an herbicide-free foam blanket, can target weeds of all shapes and sizes. Alicia Lewis Rickenin, an organic grower of super high-density olives as well as grapes in the Lodi, California area, came across the method in her own research and thought it could have some good application on her operation. She contacted the Community Alliance with Family Farmers to set up a demonstration of the method for her and other growers to see, and what they saw was a potentially eye-opening addition to an integrated pest management program. Part of what I found uh, intriguing about it is that it actually is very effective. So you can target even the most toxic, hard-to-kill weeds, and it can take maybe up to three applications, but you kill them. (laughs) Whereas when you're just mowing, or I guess there's flaming now that people are going into, which is still not killing the root, um, even with shovels. Somebody was asking a question about what's the difference between that and a shovel, um, besides killing your drip line potentially. Uh, So it's a very targeted approach to getting those things that are so resistant to spraying. And out here in uh, Lodi, we have all kinds of lovely weeds that are really not beneficial to livestock, to people, to pets, to much less the farm, right? So um, there are things that will rip your skin off and all those kinds of crazy weeds. Um, And getting those taken care of can really put your mind to rest to be able to focus on the real stuff that you have to do day to day. So this is not an application that you can just drag down, uh, you know, via a boom on the, on the orchards or the vineyards. It's something that's very targeted. Um, and there has been some, uh, I guess, exploration in France back in 2018 for vineyards and discussions about how do you adapt this for those kinds of operations, vineyards and orchards, because there is nothing else out there that I have been able to find that can be so effective and easy to use. There's no permit needed. You turn on the machine, you heat it up, you use it and um, finish it out and you're done. Um, and you can apply it at any time during the year. I think it's a 30 day cycle of some sort where you go back and you can go back after 30 days and you know do your second or third applications. But it's not like you, know, you can do it in the rain. You can. I don't know about the cold. That was the only thing we had with the demo. I don't think it heated up all the way. So there's some feedback that goes back to the company around those sorts of things. But um, everybody got a chance to use it. It's very ergonomic. So you have no backbreaking work with this. And it's actually kind of zen. So it was hard to get the tool back from people to give it to somebody else to use. Um, and very simple in its, its methodology and uh, purpose. Given how targeted the method is, it would likely not end up being a standalone tool for growers. It'd have to be used alongside other methods. You would go back in those weeds. Let's say you weren't going organic. I mean, this is the big roadblock to organic, right? All the resistant weeds to not just the the chemicals that you use to kill them, but all the the pre-emergent as well doesn't work as well. (laughs) So when you see all the other ones pop up, um, that's when you go back in and make sure you've got at least a handle to manage some of this weed, I guess, challenge. So you've got weed banks that are 40 year old seed banks, you know, things like that. There's just, you can kill the seeds, you can kill the the weed, you can sterilize the soil around it, but you're not doing anything else to other plants, which is lovely because you're using it around your trees. We use it around a little sapling. Um, It's not it's not sterilizing the entire soil. So especially if you're organic, you don't want to disrupt the soil at all. You're not even digging. 
you're just applying it to that particular weed and killing it. It's not getting very deep into tree roots or anything like that. So it would be another tool. Um, I think that one of the big biggest barriers is that farmers can't afford all these great tools, right? Especially if you're going organic, it gets even more expensive. So I think one of the biggest themes is how do we get support uh, to not carry the burden of these costs, but get the usage of these tools. So there were a little bit of questions around that. Um, there's lots of programs about transitioning to organic, but they're still very vague and we need it today. <laughs> we can't keep waiting, you know, for these things to develop. And that's why I pushed the demo because I was doing my own research and said, you know, I, I just need something. I have pokeweed, which is highly toxic, can only be killed by glyphosate and it's not everywhere but I want to go in there and zap those things so that I can get rid of them. I'm just cutting them down at this point if I don't catch them young enough. So it's that kind of thing that gives you peace of mind. And somebody else was complaining about pokeweed in the demo as well, right? It's that kind of thing where uh, I need the tool today, <laughs> but I can't afford that tool. I mean, they're selling it to golf courses and municipalities. It's a different use case completely, right? But eventually maybe this will trickle down to that sort of thing. Steam weeding, sometimes there's tool sharing out there, but it's not quite as effective. Um, and then you, you're leaving farmers up to their own devices to try to really jigger things to work in conjunction with whatever they're trying to use. And th then there's also discussion around, you know, we don't want to kill everything under the trees and the vines. You need some foliage. You need something to hold in the soil. You may not want to do cover crops specifically, um, I'm trying to look into companion planting, but sometimes some of the weeds are okay. So we had this kind of Italian or Brazilian verbena or something was growing under some of the trees. And I looked it up. It's a pollinator. It's pretty big, but I don't know if it's really competing or not. Do I want to kill that? Maybe I work around that, right? So there was some of that kind of discussion that was very interesting. Um, we're not looking to eradicate. It's not a war. It's just battles along the way. And how do we, how do we get support to get, to, to tip the scale in our favor so that we're not just perpetually pulling weeds or whatever we're battling out there. We're focusing on soil health and crop health and irrigation and all of the other things that are going on with regeneration. Lewis Rickinen noted that while vendors have not made the method, which goes by the name Foam Stream, available directly to the agriculture industry, the demo day served as an example that it can work in organic ag. She hopes that this demo day and potentially more in the future will show that the method has applications in agriculture, specifically small-scale organic operations. This is Taylor Charlstrom for My Ag Life. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water-holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit Phycoterra.com to learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with Phycoterra. 
The Environmental Protection Agency is finally out with proposed renewable fuel standard volumes for 2023 through 2025, and the ethanol industry is pleased despite no growth in the conventional ethanol target, a clear pathway for sustainable growth and an upward trajectory for clean fuels. That's the take of the Renewable Fuels Association and Growth Energy on EPA's long delays of the RFS proposal. But RFA CEO Jeff Cooper admits the three years' worth of targets for conventional ethanol growth growth are modest. So some growth is better than no growth. Uh, so to, to see the proposal today with growth, albeit modest, we, we think is a positive signal. The American Soybean Association expressed deep disappointment citing insignificant volume increases, halting any growth for advanced biofuels outside of biodiesel and cellulosic biofuels. But the RFS Cooper says having three years is worth of proposed RFS volumes is a plus for the biofuels supply chain. We see it as really creating a, a clear pathway uh, for the future of the renewable fuel standard and finally creating some certainty and stability. Cooper says EPA's proposal leaves room for sustainable aviation fuel and boosts changes for legislation to allow year-round sales of E15. It's really going to stimulate the marketplace to rapidly expand its offerings of, of E15 and that's Again, that's why it's so important that we get a permanent resolution to this ridiculous summertime barrier that has slowed growth in E15 in the past. EPA says the proposed rule would reduce U.S. oil imports by some 160 to 180,000 barrels of oil per year, with energy savings of 200 to 223 million dollars per year. EPA must finalize its proposal by June 14th under a consent decree reached with the ethanol industry. Leading into this year, U.S. farmers will have generated huge income numbers for the agriculture sector. USA Ag News reporter Gary Crawford has the story. In a few weeks, when U.S. producers close the books on 2022, they will have taken overall farm sector income to record high levels. Spiro Stefano runs the USDA's Economic Research Service, which has just released its new farm income forecast for 2022, and it shows net cash farm income will be just under $188 billion. That's a 26.5% increase over 2021. Adjusted for inflation, it would be the highest net cash income since at least 1929. If you look at net farm income, which includes the value of stocks on hand and such, look at that and you'll see an increase of nearly 14% to $160.5 billion. Adjust that for inflation, and it's the highest since 1973. Stefano says higher incomes are being generated not by big increases in production, but rather very high prices, propelling cash receipts 24% above last year. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Biologicals are big business these days, and the announcement that Corteva Incorporated has signed a definitive agreement to acquire Houston-based Stoller for $1.2 billion is big news. With operations and sales in more than 60 countries and 2022 forecasted revenues of more than $400 million, Stoller brings immediate scale and profitability in the biologicals arena. Corteva has made other recent investments in the biological sector this year. In September, the company announced it had signed a definitive agreement to acquire Symbol a company specializing in microbiological technologies based in Spain. In October, Corteva and STI Biotechnology announced a multi-year agreement for the distribution of two plant stimulations. Stoller has been in business since 1970.
American farm exports will drop to $190 billion during the current fiscal year. USA says as 4% lower than a record set in a recently ended 2022 fiscal year. The lower forecast is caused by slowing economies around the world. The global economic outlook in 2023 is uncertain due to factors like inflation and trade disruptions caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, according to the agency in its quarterly outlook for U.S. agricultural trade. Global economic growth was forecast at 2.7%, down from 3 3.2% this year. Central banks around the world are tightening their money supplies to combat inflation, with China a notable exception. Exports hit a record $196.4 billion during a fiscal year that ended in September. One-fifth of American agricultural production gets exported, so foreign markets are a major factor in farm revenue. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bee's pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise, be hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Bee Hero, Superior Bees, Superior Pollination. Come celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Almond Conference. This year's agenda will be packed with content focused on helping growers improve ROI, including but not limited to water supply, pollination, irrigation, fertigation, rootstocks, and pest management. Make plans now to join your fellow almond industry members at the Almond Conference on December 6th through the 8th at the Safe Credit Union Convention Center in downtown Sacramento. Register now at almonds.com conference. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcast and live and virtual events jcs marketing has the reach to inform educate and influence growers in the western united states everywhere you go you see west coast Net magazine on every one of my customers tables so that tells you everything that's that is there so they're reading our my ag life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 